0: Our today's topic is the town planning of Horupan culture. It is only the archaeological sources which are useful to know the picture of town planning of Horupan culture. Archaeologists got many seals from the remains, but there is no well accepted way to read the script. The Harappan cities flourished due to their prosperous rural agricultural economy. This prosperity was reflected in the town planning of that culture. As is the case with practically every Indus town of any size, Mohenjo-daro was laid out as a planned city. It is located at a short distance from the west bank of the present Indus channel. Shirin Radnagar pointed out that baked bricks were so well made and fired brick that they have retained their redness and hardness till today and they are free of cracks, chips and cavities. The mortar for bonding the bricks was most often mud. Mud and gypsum mortar was rare lime and gypsum even more so, yet parts of the some walls still stand five meters high decades after having been excavated. Buildings are constructed of a judicious combination of mud brick and baked brick, wooden beams and raptors for upper roofs, occasionally brick columns. The size of the bricks were approximately 40 into 20 into 10 cm. Sun-dried mud bricks and baked brick could be used in alternate courses in the same building. Radnagar pointed out that the excellent condition of the walls is partly a result of the bond used by Harappans in brick laying as also the thickness of the house walls. When walls are unbonded and the joints between bricks fall in the same vertical line down the brick courses, they soon collapse from stress. In contrast, a method that could be used to advantage now called English bond with headers and stretchers in alternate courses makes possible the staggered distribution of the load down a large area of the wall. A lace strong bond occasionally seen at mohenjo is what we today call Flemish bond with alternate headers and stretchers in each course. Sometimes at mohenjo The two walls of a house that make a right angled corner did not interlock in their brickwork. While this must have made it possible to knock down one of the walls without damaging the other, it would have reduced the strength of the structure. The houses, uniformly rectangular in plan, where the varied sizes. The rooms of each house were arranged around a courtyard. There was invariably a single entrance to the whole, usually so placed that the inside of the courtyard and the room's opening it could not be seen from the outside. One of every three house had a fired brick lined well usually near the entrance. Close to the wells, many houses had bathing cells as well. Each sizable house seems to have contained the families of the master and of his slaves and servants or accommodated sub-families of a joint family sharing certain facilities like the well and a common cooking area in the courtyard. Privies have been founded in some houses. There was a tendency in courses of time to subdivide the larger rooms into smaller ones with new walls and doors. Craft wastes founded in several houses suggest that the artisan's quarters could also be contained within these houses. Houses at practically all in the sites tend to have the same general layout as at Mohenjo-daro. The so-called acropolis or high town or citadel was built upon a large platform constructed with walls of dried mud brick to retain the infills behind. Similar platforms were built for blocks of houses in the larger lower town. The initial platforms were some 10 meters high, but were further raised or extended from time to time. These platforms enabled house in the city be built above the flood level. Spaces for road were marked well before houses were built so that Mohenjo-daro had long broad roads but unpaved, running parallel with other roads with lanes meeting them at right angles. While a main street in the Acropolis was 6 meters wide. The first street in the lower town had a width of more than 10 meters. It would have allowed two bullock carts to pass each other with much space to spare. Throughout the larger part of the life of mohenjo as a city, no encroachments or construction on these roads was allowed. As the houses were built, a remarkably careful drainage system was laid out throughout the city of Mohenjo-daro. Each house had its water running out, sometimes through terracotta pipes fitted together into a cesspit which connected with the drain running alongside the road. The drains along their main roads could be covered and sometimes had man-high corbelled burnt brick roofing to enable cleaners to enter them. But all the drains ultimately ended in shock pits within the city by the roadside and will have overflowed from time to time. Despite such limitations, the drainage system of Mohenjo-daro stands unique among the Bronze Age cities of the world. Within the acropolis at Mohenjo-daro, upon the debris of some earlier buildings, was built the structure known as the Great Bath, a rectangular tank 12 into 7 meters and about 2.4 meters deep. It is made of fired brick closely fitted together. From the outside of the tank was made waterproof by a 3 cm thick layer of bitumen. Two staircases from opposite sides descend to the bottom of the tank. Around the tank was a brick paved gallery with a brick paved colonnade. There were several rooms adjoining the bath on the north and the east. In one of the eastern rooms there was a large well from which water was supplied to the tank. There was provision for changing the water since an outlet at the southern corner of the tank laid the water out into a brick drain with corbelled roof. One can imagine that the Great Bath was reserved for a very elite clientele, but it also fits in with the general concern of the people of Mohenjo-daro with water. To the west of the bath has been found a massive brick platform, 1350 square meters in area, on which were built 27 smaller plinths separated by narrow passages and arranged in three rows of nine each. This whole structure has been identified as a granary on an analogy of similar structure at Horoppa. But Jonathan Mark Kenwar argues that there are some doubts whether this structure was a granary or not. He has addressed this issue in his work titled Ancient Cities of the Indus Valley Civilization. Another interesting building in the citadel in its southern part is a larger pillared hall, there being 20 thick brick pillars arranged in rows of five each the whole, about 750 square meters in area. There is no indication of what the roof was made of. Its original purpose was probably for holding an assembly of some kind, that is occasional or religious. Later it was subdivided, its different parts being walled off. In the lower town, there is a very large house which may deserve even to be called a Notables Palace. It was nearly 300 square meters in area and ultimately contained some 20 rooms set around a courtyard. Another large house was apparently non-residential and could be a temple, two staircases, Opposite to each other, led to the upper story, and a number of vessels of alabaster and objects of fence and ivory were found here, along with 15 sills, many depicting the mythical single horned humpless bull or unicorn. In contrast to these structures and also the general style of houses, is group of 16 small two room quarters 6 into 3.6 meters internally built in two rows described in modern reports as coolie lines these had a counterpart in harappa as well it has been estimated that mohenjo-daro contained 2000 to 3000 houses and some 700 wells These estimates may have been raised, as the occupied area is now estimated to be much larger. Still, even with a population of 85,000 or so, Mahanjadaro would appear to us today as a small, moderate-sized town, but in its own age, it was one of the great cities of the world. Bharuppa was probably slightly smaller than Mohenjo-daro. It was built over a Kodiji settlement in the same planned manner as Mohenjo-daro. It had an acropolis or citadel set upon a massive platform held by a retaining mud-brick wall with a facing of fired brick. The retaining wall rising into 10.7 meters from the ground also served the purpose of defense works. The citadel had two gateways, northern and western, of which one, that is the western, was later blocked. Just outside the citadel to the north lay a number of workmen's quarters similar to though larger than the Kuli Lines at Mohenjo-daro. These adjoined several rows of fired-brick floors with space at the center for wooden mortars in which wheat and barley were milled. Further to the north was a large structure built over a mud-brick platform containing on both sides of a central aisle. Numerous blocks built of bricks, these blocks probably served as floors of wooden structures of storing grains and the whole building was interpreted as a great granary, there are metal workers' furnaces close by. Among the other excavated sites, the largest perhaps is Dholavira with an extent of 60 hectares but not all of it inhabited. It is situated in an island of great run of Kutch. It has an impressive world acropolis or castle with an outer court or bailey, both linked to a world middle town all surrounded by an open world area within which on the eastern side was a lower town. The walls and buildings are made of mud bricks with stones, sometimes polished, substituting for fired brick. Dholavira shows the principal elements of Indus town planning in its laid out roads and special attention to water supply through the wells and tanks Kali Bangan on the banks of the dried up channel of Ghaggar in North Rajasthan was an early Indus site it was now entirely rebuilt though a small town that is 11.5 hectares it was yet provided with an Acropolis along with a lower town both containing well-planned streets, maximum width 3.7 meters and lanes. Both the Acropolis in two parts and the lower town were walled. mart brick was used throughout in the town walls as well as in the houses. The use of fired brick in quite rare. Changudaro 4.7 hectares area in Sindh, could have been an ordinary quarter of mohenjo planned with the main thoroughfare 7.5 meters wide. The streets provided the drains of the fired brick and houses consisting of rooms around the courtyard with privies and bathroom. Of considerable interest, is a bead factory with flues and furnace manufacturing steatide beads. Lothal, 4.8 hectares area not far from Kambat or Kambay in Gujarat may be described as a seaport so long as we remember that it could only have been inner port able to receive no more than light boats by an estuary at high tide while the real support must have been at a distance perhaps somewhere near Goga. The support that used to serve combat in medieval times this needs to be borne in mind when one considers the remarkable tank 2012 to 2014 meters long and 35 to 37 meters broad with sides built of fired brick. There is some evidence that it received seawater but if it was a dockyard as the excavator Esar Rao suggested, then it could have received only very small boats since the inlet into it had little depth. The alternative suggestion that it was an irrigation tank also has problems with it, especially since such a masonry structure was hardly necessary for providing water for field irrigation. The warehouse close to the tank and within the small acropolis consisted of mud brick platform supporting numerous mud brick blocks of identical size which under the wooden structure stored parcels of goods. Some 65 terracotta ceilings were recovered from here. Lothal shows signs of having experienced considerable prosperity. A few of its roads were even rammed with conker or with terracotta balls or paved with mud bricks and calcified grit. The drainage system was fairly elaborate, the drained water flowing into a cesspool and into the dock. There were workshops of shell cutters and bead makers. A thick mud brick wall surrounded the town. Shirin Radnagar pointed out in her work Understanding Harappa Civilization in the Greater Indus Valley that urban form is a subject that merits research. It is not only a matter of the presence or absence of streets and house plans or the outline of the enclosure wall of a settlement. The party wall we find at Mohenjodaro, raise question about the interconnections between adjoining households and the use of the roof space, but also about the provision of sunlight to individual houses necessarily from central courtyards. We can guess that the placement of wells in houses rather than on streets or public squares or other spots with maximum accessibility and the sharp boundary between domestic space and public area in the absence of the porches or verandas would have inhibited social interaction, although movement and conversation across rooftops are a possibility. It is also an open question whether the shallow drains either open or loosely covered with bricks or stones sent out a stench in certain seasons. One wonders whether the conception of the city centered as it did in Mesopotamia on the brickwork or whether natural elements like trees and pools or tanks of water were utilized for beautification as is the case with cities in the Ganga Valley at the time of the Buddha. Today, it appears from what remains of the city houses that the Harappan urban environment consisted of strictly functional and unrelieved brick walls, but for all we know, the houses had decorated facets, perhaps carved wooden doors or roof enclosures. At Dolavira, at least clays of pleasing hues were used as wall plaster. Last, urban form is important in that it is clue to socio-political hierarchy and social barriers as indicated by the height, enclosure, buildings and functions of the Harappan Citadels. So this is the end of our discussion. Follow our official Facebook page. In case of any query, feel free to mail us.